Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Welcome to Third Thursdays uh, with Ruthie, and since this is the first uh, podcast of 2023, I will say Happy New Year. This is Third Thursdays with Ruthie, but no, I am not Ruthie Goodbow. I know that will disappoint many of you to know that Ruthie is not here today, but as many of you may already know, Ruthie has made the decision to leave the practice of law, which unfortunately means she's also left Ogletree Deacons, and I will leave to her the task of explaining what she's doing in her exciting new endeavor. But as much as we will miss her here at Ogletree, and let me tell you, we will and we do. Uh, We truly wish her all the best in this new venture. And we know great things are in store for Ruthie. Uh, And you will still see her, certainly if you come to Ogletree events like Workplace Strategies or In-House Exclusive, and certainly the one that she spent so much time building, Labor Law Solutions, you're going to see her. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her as a guest on Third Thursdays uh, with Ruthie at some point. But look, Ruthie did such an incredible job with this podcast and had such a great following that we simply don't want to let it end. So for now, we're going to continue it. We're going to continue to call it Third Thursdays with Ruthie. Uh, The podcast will be the same. It'll be about cutting edge uh, developments in labor, labor law, uh, labor unions with union organizing. It's just going to be hosted at least for now and the next year by me. And my name's Tom Davis. Look, Ruthie's shoes, which are always incredibly attractive, are also very hard to fill. But I'm going to do uh, my best and we're going to do our best to honor the brand that she built and provide you with the same quality of information and insights that Ruthie brought to you on a monthly basis. So I think many of you probably know me. If you don't, again, Tom Davis, I'm a lawyer with Ogletree Deacons here in our Nashville, Tennessee office. And Ogletree's where I've worked for the last 35 years. I'm also honored to also co-chair the Ogletree Deacons traditional labor practice group. Uh, My goal for this podcast is going to be the same as Ruthie's, to bring you thoughtful insights uh, about developments in the labor space And frankly, since my thoughtful insights are often limited, I'm going to bring you a lot of guest speakers. We're going to be frequently calling on thought leaders to share their insights, and I know you're going to enjoy that uh, and want to join. So we will continue to post on the third Thursday of each month. We may have more postings as things develop in between, but look for us the third Thursday of every month. Get that date on your calendar, and please give us a listen. Invite your friends, tell colleagues who you think might benefit. And I'm going to invite you to let me know topics you would like to hear, speakers you might like to hear from. And I'll give you my email address, tom.davis at ogletree.com. And if you want to text me, I'll give you my cell, 615-308-0411. All right, I'm going to be fairly brief today. My main goal was to get this train kind of moving away from the station, to let the Ogletree family and the followers of Third Thursdays with Ruthie know that this podcast is back and it's going to be continuing 
2023 uh, and beyond. But uh, look, I want to give you a few substantive thoughts, probably more importantly, give you some teasers into previews of topics we're going to cover in coming months and some interesting speakers that we're going to have over the next few months. But substantively for me, this is the big question as we start 2023. Is 2023 going to be more of 2022? Or are we going to see some return to normalcy? And I think you all know that in the labor space, 2022 was, I think an analogy is the 500-year high water mark in terms of labor activity. Maybe not the most union campaigns and union organizing that I've seen in my 35 years, but if it's not the most, it's, it's doggone close. But certainly never before in probably any, any of our collective careers have we experienced the level of visibility that exists into the labor movement as we saw in 2022. And I don't think there's any question more employees today have encountered the concept of unions, have thought about unions, and have asked the question, would having a union at work help me? Uh, and that knowledge, that visibility, that line of sight into the labor movement, and the seeming for some intuitive reaction that, hey, a union might help, collective action might help with these issues. I, I think we ought to assume that's changed the U.S. workplace, maybe forever. Well, at the very least, it has certainly impacted the young millennials and the Gen Zs. I think that's a given. And that all has occurred in conjunction with at least two other significant environmental factors for me. Number one, the workplace is disrupted and has been disrupted. Even pre-COVID, I think we were tracking a level of dissatisfaction at work, which was of concern. Look, we don't want dissatisfied workers, and there are lots of reasons to drive satisfaction uh, and engagement into the workplace. One other is it, it it makes it harder for unions to exploit that dissatisfaction. But you know, look, looking back to 2019, pre-COVID, there were more large-scale strikes defined as strikes that impact a thousand or more workers. More large-scale strikes in 2019 than at any time in the last 35 years at least until 2022. I think there were probably more large-scale strikes in 2022 than, than 2019. And when you look at strikes overall in 2022, large and small scale, there were 314 strikes, the most since 2005, lots of different industries, but certainly some industries experienced significant strike activity. And all of that brings a level of concern about disruption in the workplace that, again, I think predates bring COVID to the workplace and this already disrupted workplace was just blown up. And the impact in many workplaces has been, I think, a lack of trust for management, even though often not deserved, a feeling of not being appreciated, also often not deserved, a feeling of being thrust into unsafe conditions, seemingly without care or concern for the employee's safety. Uh, and the bottom line is often feeling that you don't have a voice or an effective voice. And oh yeah, my company made billions over the last couple of years and I didn't get my fair share, even when we've seen unprecedented levels of wage increases over the last couple of years. So all of that environmental conditions that unions thrive on and that their message tends to exploit, even though 
in my opinion, is they can't address it. And all of this happened at a time when unions were very active, very visible, and when employees viewed unions very favorably. I don't think we can lose sight of the Gallup data that came out in 2022, whether you buy into that data or not. But Gallup told us that 71% of Americans view unions favorably. Compare that you know, over history to 75% in the 1950s. Incidentally, the 1950s, when union membership was at 35%, right? That, that's going to be a theme, I think, that's kind of resonating throughout my comments. So we've got a level of trust for unions and favorability for unions that, that mimics what we saw in the 1950s. And compare that union membership, 35 in the 1950s, to 7% today. Incidentally, let me take a little bit of a side note here. The union membership numbers for 2022, I think something we're all watching, will be published this Thursday, January 19th, the day this podcast drops. Uh, and I'll give you a little prediction. I think there's a distinct possibility the union membership percentage in 2022 will stay flat with 2021, 10.3% overall in 2021. I don't know. We'll see. I may be wrong. I'm not putting any money on it. But unions need to add more than 280,000 new members just to stay at that 10.3% level. And while union elections were up and the win rate was up in 2022, elections were up 53% compared to 2021, and the union win rate was uh, nearly 77%. More elections, more union wins, but most of those involve very small units, very few over 500 voters, most of them under 100. Uh, and so adding 281,000, I don't think that's a certainty. And if membership does not increase in 2022 after the level of attention and visibility, uh, I think that could be damaging to the labor movement's uh, reputation and PR campaign. So the question for me ultimately is what impact does the economic slowdown, economic downturn, possible recession have? And what was on my mind throughout COVID was whether the labor movement would be able to exploit the incredible disruption that had occurred in COVID before things started to settle down and return to normal. Look, I don't know that things will ever return to a pre-COVID normal, but nothing moderates union activity like a recession. So we're headed into an economic slowdown for certain. Will history repeat itself? Will that deter this level of union activity that we saw in 2022? Or has the model changed? Uh, we'll see in 2023 uh, what the impact is. But the other factor that's of significance that's occurring in the, against this background is the political environment. Uh, we have the most union president in history. He's done very little of substance because while he might be the most pro-union president in history, he doesn't have the most pro-union Senate in history. And as we all know, a president can't change the law without 60 people in the Senate that agree with him. So President Biden's goal of uh, implementing the PRO Act uh, is still DOA uh, in the current Senate. But what this president has done is to put in place the most pro-union NLRB general counsel. I don't know about the NLRB itself. It's certainly pro-union. But what I do know is we've got the most pro-union uh, board general counsel, I, I think, in history, certainly my 
35 year history of doing this. And look, I don't want to disparage Miss Abruzzo. I really don't question her intentions or her motives. Uh, she simply has a completely different worldview from the one I've built working with incredible employers for the last 35 years. She thinks employers respond to union activity by violating the law. I think, I, I, frankly, I know the overwhelming majority of those employers respond to union activity by wanting to communicate and, and answer questions and to clarify misunderstanding, but wanting to do that in a lawful fashion. And we just view that world differently. But regardless, uh, the general counsel is focused on one thing that's enforcing the National Labor Relations Act, which she believes does one thing, protects the right of employees to unionize and engage in protected concerted activity. And I'm not sure she's even much concerned with the right employees have to the term is refrain, but to oppose the union. And look, which I, I do falter for that. There are many, many employees who have no interest in union representation for very good reasons. It has nothing to do with their employer violating the law. And I think it's her job to protect those employees' right to refrain, regardless of how she defines that term. But look, I think the bottom line is she doesn't care what reasons employers might have for opposing union representation, including uh, many reasonable and lawful reasons. And she doesn't think the NLRA really has anything to do with employer rights of co or concerns. But she's certainly trying to reform the law to do one thing, make it easier for employees to unionize or to engage in protected concerted activity. And certainly that involves reversing all the significant Trump board decisions. But that also includes bringing back principles that have not been enforced for 60 years. Even some concepts that predate the current version of the National Labor Relations Act, which was amended in 1947 concepts that existed, incidentally again, when union membership was at 35%. So we will spend a lot of time in the podcasts over coming months and as things arise, maybe in between the, the, the third Thursday of each month, talking about new rules, new case decisions, even regulations that are finalized. You're going to hear us talk about topics like micro voting units, right? This is the usual suspect for the pendulum swing. We always you know, have a movement to micro units, back away from micro units. Now we've moved back to give unions the ability to carve out a voting unit that oftentimes reflects the level of support that they have. We'll be talking about that uh, in coming podcasts. Handbook policies. We're going back to where we were with the Obama board. We've got a case called Stericycle that it is, is again going to make it increasingly difficult to confidently draft and defend common sense workplace rules. We're going to be talking about that. Joint employer, it's coming back, right? The pendulum is going back to where we were with the BFI case and uh, where we were with the, the Obama board. We're also going to see more expansion of concepts of protected concerted activity. More things are concerted, more things are protected, including concepts of inherently concerted and, and delving into protections around even societal social activism activities. We're going to be talking about developments in 
unfair labor practice investigation, processing, and unfortunately litigation caused in large part because of the expansion of remedies. Uh, We now have a case from the board that says employees can recover the exact words, direct or foreseeable pecuniary harm, think money, that is suffered as a result of unfair labor practice violations. All of that makes it more costly to defend these ULPs, more difficult to settle them, means more litigation, and it also encourages employees, and these days, frankly, they're private attorneys, to file more charges. And big question out there is, will we see those remedies expanded even further into things like emotional distress damage and reputational damage that makes this certainly a a more significant uh, area of the law? And we're going to talk certainly about what the board does with the general counsel's efforts to limit mandatory meetings and even and even conversations on the quote unquote shop floor, the so-called captive audience issue, and car check by another name, Joy Silk. So lots for the podcast in 2023. Let me tease next month because I'm extremely excited about this one. The NLRB has now actually the general counsel has now kind of uh, endeavored into the area of artificial intelligence and the workplace. And she's just issued a a guidance memo uh, outlining related thoughts and ideas and concepts for enforcement. And I am so excited about the February podcast because I know very little about technology and even less about AI. But we will have a guest speaker, our own Jen Betts, who knows about it all. And Jen's uh, in our Pittsburgh office, is co-chair of the OD Technology uh, Practice Group. She and I are already working on our podcast for February, and it is going to delve into this area of AI. What is it? What does it mean? And for the labor area, what, what do we need to be aware of and thinking about? So put February 16th on your calendar and be ready for that podcast to drop. So concluding today, thank you for joining me. I hope this was of some little value. We're going to get more substantive, I promise, in coming months. But most importantly, I really want you to make a plan to support Third Thursdays with Ruthie in 2023 and beyond. I cannot wear Ruthie's shoes. The heels are too high. Uh, But I, I tell you, I'm going to do my best to fill them to continue to bring you great content, great insights, and great guest thought leaders. So I thank you. See you in February. And remember, uh, send your ideas, send your thoughts, send your suggestions. I want this to be a podcast you find to be of great value. So have a great rest of the month, January, uh, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.